0: episode 300 of the biz talk with bill roy podcast the wichita business journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people places companies organizations and issues that are important to wichita's business community i'm editor kirk Seminoff. Every year as part of our Emerging Leaders program, we ask a group of government leaders from the city of Wichita and Sedgwick County to join us at the Kansas Leadership Center to talk about government, public service, and the issues facing our community. The 2023 version of that panel was March 9th, and we're going to focus on a couple of topics from the discussion, homelessness and mental health. Mayor Brandon Whipple, council member Brandon Johnson, and city manager Bob Layton joined us from the city of Wichita while Commissioner Ryan Beatty and County Manager Tom Stoles joined us from Sedgwick County. It was an honest and frank discussion about the issues. But first, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. This week's cover story is a look at Dwayne Hawkins' time as Chief of Spirit Aerosystem's Defense and Space Division. That part of Spirit made tremendous growth in that time bringing some stability to the company when other areas, such as commercial aviation, ebbed and flowed with outside factors. Daniel McCoy's story begins on page 14. This week's list is the area's largest manufacturing firms. Catch who made the two-page list, beginning on page 8. This week's 10 Minutes With guest is Lance Miner of the Kansas Family Business Forum. He was also a recent BizTalk guest. Read what he has to say about why the KFBF can be an effective supporter for many businesses in our community. 10 Minutes With is on page 23. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Well, we had a terrific five-person government panel speak to our Emerging Leaders Group Thursday at the Kansas Leadership Center. The session went on for an hour and 10 minutes, but we've whittled it down to a particularly important part of the discussion. Two emerging leaders asked direct questions about homelessness, which included mental health and other aspects. Henry Lee of Keller Williams Signature Partners asked about homelessness and gentrification and what's proactively being done to address the problems now and for the future. Mayor Brandon Whipple took the question first. Just a note, for time purposes, we did some light editing on responses. Here we go.
1: I want to start off by saying that homelessness is a spectrum. Uh, we have folks who are sleeping on couches, uh, who are sleeping at uh, a, a friend's houses where they are technically homeless. They themselves don't have their own home. And that's the spectrum. And then you have folks who um, who just lost their job and they are kind of bouncing back from, you know, they, they need short-term shelter. And then you have the folks who really the ones I think I get the majority of emails about when it comes to homelessness. Uh, and these are the folks who are living on house for multiple years. Uh, and we had a statistic, I haven't been able to cite this, but it hasn't been challenged, but I've just thrown it out there with Grannis salt, That 70% of the folks who are experiencing homelessness in Cedric County suffer from either a mental health, a diagnosable mental health issue, or a substance abuse issue. And 50% suffer from both, which means that the folks who are living unhoused, outside, they're not, I think we, we mean well when we say, we just gotta give them a house. Let's give them a tent, let's give them a, a, a tiny home or something. Uh, the reality is that that doesn't solve the problem. We gotta actually fix the underlying variables that cause people uh, to go on unmedicated. So they go and they medicate themselves. Uh, and, you know, and it's a spiral uh, effect on this. Uh, so we gotta figure out a, a way to actually solve the problem that keep people in chronic Homelessness, because uh, that's the toughest uh, the, the toughest nut to crack, if you will. And I'll just briefly one story that really illustrated this for me. When I first became mayor, I was trapped in my office because of COVID um, and I would only go out when I had to, but uh, we had on social media, then local news reported this. Uh, not a lot of people know about the story, but I'm just gonna say it. I have no filter, by the way. Um, there was a man who was pretty much beaten by a group of teenagers and they posted it online. They had rocks thrown at him. And the news went out and talked to this guy, and he seemed like, oh, yeah, you yeah, know, it's fine. Like, anyways, he he handled the interview and he seemed with it. He seemed like like he experienced this and he was going forward. I reached out to our, our homeless outreach team or our hot team and said, do you know this guy? And can I take him out for lunch? Uh, no cameras, nothing. I just as mayor want to take him to the Brahms, have lunch with him, just let him know that I represent him. Like I, we value him because these kids showed that they didn't value him because teenagers are dumb at, at times. So don't quote me. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> but anyways, what I didn't realize at the time was staff started working to not only locate him, but to figure out a way for him to interact with me in a safe environment. And I didn't understand this and they didn't want to tell me this, but the person suffered from a mental health issue that was so severe, that, that I couldn't take him to lunch. And the idea, I could maybe interact with him while he was in the walkway of, uh, of a uh, facility that he goes for mental health treatment. But he didn't remember the event. And if he knew that the mayor wanted to meet with him, the level of paranoia, uh, it would have been a deterrent. It would have actually caused more damage to him than it would have been helpful. And that's when it really hit me, that like, well, for two things. One, I, I'm doing this for myself at this point. Like I'm not helping him, like by trying to pursue this meeting, I would actually hurt him But also, by doing this, but also it did two things. It realized, made me realize like how severe some of these mental health issues are, that and why we need to work together as an intergovernment uh, to, to address mental health in this community. Uh, but also uh, it, it, it alerted me uh, how good our staff is. The people who are out there every day making sure that those who are experiencing homelessness, living unhoused, are getting the, the resources they need, or getting the help they need, or at least getting spoken to by their name, uh, and, and being treated human, our staff knew that. And they, it took me a long time to get their details out of them because of his privacy issues. Uh, but uh, it showed also that our staff care that much. They weren't trying just to make me happy. Uh, they were trying to protect this individual as well. Uh, and so I thought that also was an interesting read, that our people uh, really are good at understanding uh, the individual needs of some of the folks who are living unhoused.
0: Council Member Johnson followed by talking about gentrification.
1: Yeah, I'll
2: jump in on gentrification. I mean, that gentrification is tough to deal with no matter what. Um, and I don't think there are any simple solutions to that. And a lot of what folks in District 1, especially around Innovation Campus, have talked about off of 17th Street is all of these investments raising property values, which as the taxes go up, if you're on fixed income, retired, it might price you out. You might have to leave that space. And that's something that I deeply care about and don't want to see happen. There's a number of things I think that we all can talk about. A lot of that's going to take participation, working with the county as well. Normally, I don't float policy without talking to them first. but. Um, Some of the things I've talked about with some of these folks is if there was a freeze on their property tax after you've retired, or if you're on a fixed income, if you get Social Security, maybe that helps you because all those investments go on, your property value is going to increase, but if you don't have to pay additional taxes, maybe that keeps you in your property for some time until you either move or unfortunately pass on. Um, Those are just conversations we're going to have to have because you find yourself in the difficult position of wanting investment. You want improvements in community, but you also don't want to price people out. People who've historically grown up there should be able to die there if they want to. That's the hardest part of getting these incentives and investment. And I'll tell you, like, even the 21st and Oliver area, the apartment complex that was there, I wasn't in favor of it just for aesthetic reasons, but there were a lot of people concerned that as you start investing there those property values go up across the street where people on fixed income you know what what does that mean and you know we ultimately approved that but the community was also saying we haven't had investment in 40 years so how do you find that balance if you say no to that yes the property values stay but also it starts to look worse over there so that you, we have to find that balance of investment improvement modernization as well as keeping those prices low so we don't kick people out. And that's just an ongoing conversation.
0: Bob Layton and Ryan Beatty followed Councilmember Johnson.
3: projects that are on the drawing board that will be mixed income projects that allow the neighborhood character again to stay um, uh, similar to what it is now but still introducing new blood so to speak that's another way of addressing it and you have to be smart and learn from what other cities have done because unfortunately in large cities around the country there's too many examples of people basically moving out the
4: assumption that many of us have is that when you look at homelessness you silo homelessness you can pull a lever and change an output and the mayor alluded to it councilmember Johnson it, and I think Bob just did as well as there's a lot of determinants influencing homelessness substance abuse mental health and that is specifically for the chronic homelessness population we see uh, but affordable housing job security food security all these things are determinants that influence it so I wish it was easy as pulling a lever to change an output when you have such a dynamic situation, uh, and in some regards a crisis, it's going to require community collaboration. The cities aren't gonna be able to do this alone, the counties aren't be able to do this alone, the nonprofit community are laboring and they're not able to do this alone. This is going to require a collaboration with the community, but one thing from a leadership standpoint, if we can't paint a picture, a vision, if we can't accurately, specifically detail a direction we're going, we're never gonna rally community support towards it. We've gotta be able to paint to this community uh, a specific plan, that this is the goal, this is the best foot forward, the collaborative approach, the comprehensive plan, And then we do in business, what you do in your businesses and your organizations is we get the plan and then we work backwards to find the gaps, the bottlenecks, and to figure out what it is that we can do to get us as close as we can to the comprehensive A-plus plan. But if we can't paint the picture to this community, then we're gonna do what we've been doing for the last decade. We're gonna silo these issues and never make drastic progress. We have the capacity to do this. We have the generosity in this community, we have the resources to do this. And my hope is, with collaboration with the city and our nonprofit and our business community, is we can comprehensively paint a plan that rallies a community to solve a problem. I think we could be the gold standard nationally of how we do it, mental health, substance abuse, and homelessness. I think that we have the capacity to do it here, but it's going to require a community effort.
0: Aaron Miller of Family Promise Greater Wichita had the next question and had some valuable statistics with him. City Manager Layton and Mayor Whipple were the first two to respond.
5: First and foremost, I appreciate the support. We appreciate the support and recognition from um, the city of Wichita. Uh, One question that I had specifically relates to the number of kids in our community that are experiencing homelessness. Uh, USD 259 is required under the McKinney-Pinto Act to report those numbers. Um, And as of recent numbers, it's 2,025 kids night that leave school not knowing where they're going to sleep. Uh, <clears throat> my question is, uh, not only what can we do as, well I kind of answered, what can we do as leaders to, to help with that, um, but what can the city of Wichita do to help reduce the stigma? There's a lot of um, concern that these numbers are underrepresented because out of fear of being reported to DCF. Um, what can the city do to help address these concerns and allow for more accurate reporting for better support?
3: Wow, so that is a significant issue that is, I think, almost totally ignored when we talk about homelessness solutions. We talk about children as part of a, uh, a family or with a mother and how we provide you know, emergency shelter for them. We don't talk about the chronic issues first got here Mayor Brewer put together a task force that lasted about a year and it collapsed under its own weight. That's where I learned about the significance of the numbers you're talking about and I think we can all agree. Everybody that touches that issue says those numbers are underreported. They don't take into a lot of the couch, and sur- couch surfing numbers that, uh, that the mayor alluded to. Um, I think we just have to be intentional. We have to recognize that there's a dimension that we're missing in the discussion of the homeless and as we look for solutions Knowledgeable in that area, because many of the providers that Tom and I work with are focused on probably the larger population and more adult population, not zeroed in specifically on, on those. So I'm, I really appreciate you bringing that up because it's a good reminder as we're moving forward on this issue to be, um, to start bringing that to attention of providers. And, and sure. with, I, if I could just finish course, there. the could one thing I will tell you is that one of the reasons that, that group was disbanded because of the inability of the providers to work in a cooperative way and to work in I think the best utilization of the resources that were available everybody had a model that they wanted to stick with um, I was surprised when the mayor constantly asked for ways to move forward in a comprehensive way that it was rejected by the providers one way or another either overtly or covertly and so we have to again pull those people together and say okay we're all on this By the way,
1: I just want to be brief with my comments and let my colleagues talk about the policy of it. But one problem I think is sticking out when it comes to homelessness and people might be resistant to recognize that they are on that spectrum of homelessness, uh, is the how as a society we talk about homeless folks, folks who are experiencing homelessness. And I, I gotta tell you, about half or more of the emails I get refer to folks who are homeless as as a a nuisance, not as a, these are people who need help or do you want to help. It's more, how do you push these people out of sight, out of mind? It is not a humanizing uh, conversation with a lot of people. And we frankly, it, it's sad because we, we just talked about it and my colleague from the county mentioned about mental health, how now we understand mental health a lot more than we did five years ago, a lot more than we did 10 years ago. Uh, and I'll just tell you briefly, I, I'm a qualitative researcher, uh, which means I, I listen to stories and I pull data points out of it. That's what I'm trained to do. Uh, and I recall, uh, as an undergrad, a story where they there were interviewing folks who were homeless here in Wichita. One of my professors was. And the person that they interviewed actually had a master's degree, and he code shifted back to talking like someone with a master's degree. And when he got into what his trajectory was to be unhoused, Basically, the entirety of his family is wiped out in a car crash, uh, where like wife, kids, everything, wiped out in a driving in a van, completely wiped out, and this guy is basically in. And I just never got it together after that, which is a big understatement, right? Like, and I gotta be honest, like, I don't think I'd be doing much better, like, if I was in that situation. Like, I don't think I'd be showing up for work, and be focused on this or that, you know, like. So we have to keep in mind that a a lot of folks who are chronically homeless, the ones that I get the emails about because someone's bothered they had to look at them, those people have stories. Those people are people. They have, uh, something happened to them that brought them there. And again, frankly, I don't know if many of us would be any better off uh, if we had to walk in some of the shoes that these folks have walked in. So I just wish that we could change somewhat of the the dialogue around this issue to be better at humanizing the folks who are going through this uh and not calling them bums or calling them hobos or whatever language they actually used to used to be prevalent Uh, and if we can talk about this in a more humane way i think that folks uh, as you mentioned can be more forthcoming with their own situations which would help us with the data because we base a lot of policy off that data
0: Councilmember Johnson and Commissioner Beatty answered next.
1: So
2: I would I would just add to one of the points you made with our young people, DCF is a problem. Um, absolutely, and I understand all of those fears. When you look at DCF, the fear that parents have that you make one mistake, or maybe you're struggling and your kid is couch surfing, they're going to get... Immediately put into foster care and especially parents of color because families of color tend to have more negative instances with DCF. I don't know what the solution is to that Um, Many of us have been saying that for some time whether it was meeting with various governors or department heads that hasn't changed and Until something there whether it's policy or diversity of workforce and more understanding um, happens that's always going to be a fear I can tell you uh, if anything were going on with my kids, I wouldn't report to DCF. I wouldn't be upset if somebody else did because I don't see anything favorable coming out of DCF. Um, to me, that's just a reality. And many of the families I've seen that deal with DCF, mine included, uh, nothing positive came from it. Um, so I think that's a fear. You probably won't see more of those numbers get reported. And I think a lot of our efforts and energy should be what type of solutions can we find in that couch surfing community, whether it's kids that got kicked out for some disagreement or parents lost a home or employment, like just finding out what's what's the challenge and seeing what we can do resource wise to to help out. The data uh,
4: is this 2025 kids being unsheltered. That's a sobering point. I mentioned the foster care system. When we talk about how we're going to solve community problems and we got to get upstream, we got to get upstream. Well, let me tell you about the foster care system and trying to get upstream that there are roughly 1,300 kids in Sedgwick County in the foster care system. We only have about 625 homes in Sedgwick County. Okay, we're splitting families, we're sending a lot of kids to Garden City and Dodge City and all over the place. The data suggests that 70% of kids in the foster care program, foster system, when they get to four placements, 70% of them will end up in our criminal justice system, only 45% of them will graduate high school at four placements. We're averaging nine placements in the state of Kansas. Okay. Look at USD 259. 70% of the kids at USD 259 live under the poverty level. One out of five aren't graduating high school. So let's talk about get upstream. You know how we get upstream? We love these kids, we serve these kids, and we don't depend on government to do it. Because this is the data that we're getting, right? When government's involved with DCF and the foster care system, we depend on this community to step forward. The nonprofit community, the faith community, individuals that are aware of this data aware of how it's impacting our community. They see these children for people and they value these people and they get involved in the space. That's how communities come together. It's not going to be the city or the county or the state that does this. This is going to be the people that come together and they move in an effort to save these kids. Our future depends on these kids. This is our next generation. And if we want to get upstream, we can center all of our attention on these children and we'll change this place.
0: I concluded by asking the five panelists in 30 seconds or less to tell me whether in 10 or 15 years we will have seen progress in combating mental health problems and homelessness in our community. Mayor Whipple went first, followed by Councilman Johnson, Commissioner Beatty, County Manager Stoles, and City Manager Layton.
1: Yeah, we we have the opportunity to do some amazing stuff right now. It's not going to happen overnight. We're sitting on a $9 million plan to move the ball forward. uh, Once we get approval from the feds and, and once we get everything lined up, I need another turn to be able to truly pull that off. And although I do believe that the community uh, has a role to play with this, I agree with my colleague on that. I also think the government, uh, we we play a role as well. Uh, We put $5 million worth of ARPA grants into our nonprofit community. We're the only city in the Midwest. I know of that's done that. Uh, So we have a, a opportunity to utilize not just our platform to talk about these issues and to hopefully bring people together. Number one superpower elected official has is people call us back. So if we can bring people together for a network solution, that is a role we play plus also being able to take advantage of, uh, of funding that, that comes our way. Uh, and if we do it right, uh, we, we can look back five years. We need not just 15 years, five years are we looking back? Do we further the, the, the goal? 10 years, where are we? And, and be purposeful of that 15 year look back as well. And I think that uh, that, that starts with waking up every day thinking about what am I going to do today to get us a little closer to that, that goal. And that's what uh, you know, good elected officials do. They wake up and they're ready to work. That was 31 seconds, very good.
2: Um, So my answer is yes, but only if we all agree to come to the table and stay at the table and work through the challenges, work through the disagreements. Uh, Sometimes decisions need to be made, stay at the table if you don't agree. If not, we'll continue to have the problems that we have today and it's upon all of us that truly care about these issues to stay in the conversation, to stay at the table, to stay engaged with the elected officials and private sector, non-profit sector, all working together towards that. Again, if not, then no, we won't make
4: progress. So I say yes, if we do those things, but if not, then no, we won't. I would agree with both the mayor and and Councilmember Johnson, that I I absolutely firmly believe to the core of my soul that we're going to get something accomplished here in a big way. I really do. I think we're going to become the gold standard nationally of how we deal with this as a I really believe it. And the reason I believe it is because of the, uh, the energy around these topics. We, again, we have the capacity, we have the energy, we have the brilliance, we have the resources. And with leadership, we can take us to a point where we have solutions. So I would say absolutely yes, because I fully expect that the people of this community are going to hold elected leadership responsible for bringing solutions to this table, hold us responsible for solutions. Uh, sit at the table. You're invited to my table anytime and let's exchange the ideas. Let's bring the brilliance of this community together to really move us forward. I absolutely unequivocally believe that we're going to solve. We're never going to solve homelessness. We're never going to solve mental health. We're never going to solve substance abuse problems, um, but we're going to make, we're going to take a step forward to where we have the resources and the awareness of what we can do in this community, 100% unequivocally. I believe it's my core. Bob and Tom, you've seen it elected to come and elected to go. Uh, are you as
0: hopeful? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
6: <laughs> oh, my favorite. Uh, So unequivocally, yes, you're going to see something different in five or ten years. Why? Because we have so much train going down the track right now, I think we can stop it if we wanted to. We're going to build a new Comcare care crisis unit, we're going to have a psychiatric hospital in this community, we're going to get a social service hub built. We're going to, whether we do anything or not, there are pieces moving forward now that are going to go into place, we, and we can't stop it anymore. The, the trick is going to be, and all these guys have talked about it: you scan, analyze, respond. Right? We have to determine what we can do best, and I agree with everybody who said we need comprehensive, on-paper plan, and we are developing that now. You will get invited to the table because the table has to get bigger. But you can, any problem solved, right? Scan, analyze, respond. When you're talking about homeless, substance abuse, and mental health, that topic is so complex, and you just brought up something that in I think about this all week you just brought up something that I know we have a gap in right now that i not on my chart so far I'm gonna go back to the office add it on a chart which is the danger when you go down this track that you make sure you don't leave anybody behind and we're get criticized a lot in government because you're moving like a glacier right but to give this due diligence and to do all of this research takes time there's a lot of people that got to come to the table so you will get invited to the table And you're going to see this come to a head real soon in this community. There's also a Biomed KUWSU campus we're talking about downtown here. There's a number of trains going down a track, but I don't see any way to fail. And I think honestly, and I've been around a long time, man, since the 80s, we have elected officials right now who, and they never agree on anything, right? They all agree on this, all 12 of them, City Council and County Commission and we have a state of Kansas group of legislators who in, who believe in this, and for the first time in two or three or four or five ten years, there's money in the state of Kansas to actually move the needle on this. So, yes, we'll get it done.
3: Bring us up, Bob. Uh, no way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I totally agree. I don't. I don't. I, I. think Tom said it really well. I think you're hearing the uh, uh, optimism and uh, with the elected officials, and I'll agree with to Tom. This is the most cooperation I've seen between the County Commission and the City Council uh, uh, in the time that I've been here. And, um, I, uh, and I'm and i really optimistic because of the private sector uh, discussions over the last six to 12 months. People who are not only saying, identifying a problem, but are saying we're willing to put resources into it. So I, I, I'm, I'm very optimistic. The one caution I have is I, again, don't want perfection. Uh, to be the enemy of good and accomplishment. And so we need to be able to, get, to, to celebrate incremental wins. And we have to get those incremental wins. And then ultimately,
0: we'll be able to implement the whole plan. We hope you enjoyed some of that conversation from our government panel this week. And that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy, episode 300. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at Wichita Business thank you, Thank you for listening and for subscribing. this talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.